electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. And live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York's Times Square, this is Fast Money, and I'm Tyler Matheson. In tonight, on a Friday, for Melissa Lee. Our traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Dan Nathan, Steve Grasso, and guest trader tonight, Bryn Mawr Trust Chief Investment Officer Jeffrey Mills. Jeff, welcome. Good to have you. Thanks, Tyler. On the big show tonight, oh, the drama. Goldman <laughs> and its credit card partner, Apple, arguing now over television pricing, Apple TV, that is. Goldman seeing a 26% downside for the stock. Apple doesn't like it, not one bit. That company fired back in a statement to CNBC, and the desk will play Judge Judy, and we will rule on who is right and not. And then, cashing in on regional banks. They're having their best week in almost three years. But the KRE is still underperforming the market more broadly. The traders will check the sector's balance. Plus, in case you didn't notice, it is indeed Friday the 13th. Oh, no. Yes, it is. Ooh, scary. Are Tyler. you feeling lucky? Unlucky. Right Not now, like Clint Eastwood. The Tim, Tim always feels yeah. lucky. Yeah. Look at him. Look at him. Yeah, uh, handsome, that, smart, uh, 44 Magnum. <laughs> right now, the only thing unluckier than broken mirrors and accidentally walking under ladders is being a stock that has lagged this rally. There are four of them as the S&P sits less than a percent off of new highs. Big familiar names, Amgen, Starbucks, Chipotle, Ulta, all trailing. So are they bargains or not? Let's talk about the uh, the market this week. Three weeks in a row, Steve, of nice gains uh, for the broad market. Eight days in a row for the Dow. You know, we uh, I always say this. I guess there's a station we always say it's the most unloved rally that I remember in recent history. Everyone got so lopsided in August. They were, the positioning was so ultra-negative that this had to happen. But when was it going to happen? Now, over 3,000, everyone's still betting against it, which means it goes higher. So you look, uh, uh, Tim, at, at what's happened since August, which was a pretty dark, dour month, often followed in September, which I think historically is the, is the uh, least the worst. Good, not a the, great month. The yeah. least good month. But there's better news on trade, or at least the, the, the voices of better news on trade. Some of the macroeconomic data are better. And it's clear that central banks around the globe are being supportive. Uh, well, for, welcome, Tyler. And Good to be here. through a scary Friday the 13th. But uh, that's exactly right. We, I think the macro has been supportive. And it's also highlighted, if you think about September, it's almost the mere opposite of, of August. Look at the 10-year Treasury bond, 45 basis point recovery off the lows of effectively the 60 basis point rally. Um, the other thing I would add is central banks are more confident. That is, give, I know we don't really trust central banks, and I know they haven't been a source of credibility. But the fact of the matter is central banks around the world, not just people within our Fed showing at least some dissension, but uh, the efficacy of lower rates as an option. That's basically good for risk assets, Tyler. That's good for reflation assets. And that's obviously good for sentiment about what they're seeing into the global economy that maybe the market was overly bearish. About. Jeff, I know you're going to talk a little bit about rates in just a minute. I don't yep. want to steal your thunder there. 
But talk, pick up on, on what Tim just talked about. The move in the 10-year bond this week yeah. and over the past few days is really quite something. 40 basis points about. Yeah, it's been a big move. And the question is, are higher rates bad for stocks? And I think for right now, investors are at least getting a little bit of confidence that higher rates actually mean there isn't something more dour going on in the economy. I think that's really what's going on. And last year... The, the sentiment of the Fed is a little bit different, right? The Fed was tightening. People were worried about it spiking rates. So I don't think people are worried about rates going dramatically higher. But I think in terms of how you want to position here going forward, I think it depends how tactical you want to be. I think if we're sitting here 12 months from now, leadership probably reverts back to the growth, the defensive trade. I think economic growth probably remains sort of on trend just below. The curve probably stays kind of flat. And I'm not sure you can count on political volatility completely going away. But to Steve's point... I think tactically, maybe over the next month or so, everything was so far to the one side that I think you're still seeing that meme reversion come back. AAII, bullish to bear spread, it was negative 26%. It's now back to positive 2%, but the average is 8 So even near all-time highs, you're still below that. So I think you have some room here over the next couple of weeks. Dan, is this a rally you can believe in? Well, listen, you know, we talk about a lot on the desk. I mean, when the S&P has made new highs, it's been tough to buy the breakout. If you look, you know, dating back to January of 2018, every new high has been just incremental. It's been 1% or 2% above the past one. And I think, you know, segueing a little bit to some of those stocks you're saying that are having a bad month, you know, you mentioned Chipotle. I want to throw in McDonald's. You know, McDonald's looked like it was spending most of August ready to break out above 220. no, but, you know, and I'm, I'm focused on McDonald's because obviously it's a Dow component and they do um, as much sales in a quarter as Chipotle does in a year. And to me, this is obviously, I think, an important stock. And now it just dropped, what, six, seven percent kind of in a straight line. Those are the sorts of names if you're thinking about tactically. Right. Like when we make new highs, we've sold off a bunch over the last 18 months or so. That's what you want to keep an eye on to see if those sorts of names get overdone a little bit because you, think you have opportunities be, you to buy good names is what I'm saying. Chipotle, though, is up 82 percent year to day. So I wonder if that was in the the growth basket where you saw this rotation uh, for out of growth into value. And even McDonald's, that's only up 18 percent year to date. That was seen as a as a growthy name, too. So you wonder if there's a little bit of granularity going on in this rotation. Yeah, but 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 Dan, no one was applauding um, when when McDonald's and Chipotle and Starbucks were leading um, the S&P higher. In fact, everyone was saying this makes no sense. This, in fact, this is a sign of weakness. We aren't getting the breadth. But in fact, we've had enormous breadth over the last few weeks. We've actually had banks that have really you know, basically started to break out. You've had transports. You've had retail. You've had essentially the things that people wanted to see. So um, I, I I think the question is, what do you do with these so, but, stocks? So, yeah, I, I, guess, I, I, I just want to make one point yeah. about that, though, that, you know, each incremental spot, when we get to 2,900, that was a new high last year. Then we got to 3,000, that was a new high this year. It hasn't been a great time to buy stocks because we've had different rotations every single time. Yep. And we've had some of the mega cap names that used to drive a lot of the performance underperform, right? So there's been a lot of churn over the last year and a half or so. So there's, not, there's, no, there's no convincing evidence to believe that this time is going to be different, that it's going to be, especially as the rates are starting to go back up. That's a narrative I think is really important because when people didn't believe that rates could go lower last year, the 10-year Treasury was above 3%, right? So we bottomed out at 145 last month, and now all of a sudden, rising rates is bullish. And we're going to get some evidence next week because whatever the Fed says, rates are going to move one way or another, and then we're going to have a sense of what investors really want. But why would rates be going higher? Rates would be going Because they overshot to the downside. It's pretty simple okay. in, in a very but, short but period of time. The downside, which said we were going straight into recession. Remember, the first there's less worry about that now than there was three weeks but why, ago. Well, but guys, but, but hold on. You saw what the ECB did this week. 
And you saw what the president was saying all week about our central bank. Do you think that just because the 10-year has rallied 45 bips this week, that that means that rates here aren't going lower? That's the most ludicrous statement I think oh, anybody I, could make right now. I, I mean, I, and, the, and the ECB I do not trust. But, but when I look at the fact that fiscal policy is now being sought of as an alternative to monetary policy, which central bankers are saying has no efficacy. That's bullish. The biggest economy in the world, the biggest services component of its economy, reports a lot of strength. People were saying the U.S. was going out of business. The 10-year going down to 142 on the 10-year was not a function no, no, hold of, on, of the U.S. Hold economy. Hold on, hold on, Tim. People weren't saying the U.S. was going out of business. Rates were saying that. Rates were saying that. I mean, so, so it's not like people, and we know how much bigger the Treasury well, market we just is said that the, the equity market. market. Been very pessimistic. And right. in fact, the positioning, um, Jeff talks about, you know, the AAII. If you just look at hedge fund net long positioning, and Marco Kalanovich brought, brought this up also yeah, from J.P. Morgan's desk, it's, it's only gotten to neutral, not overweight. So um, there's I, been a, there's been a lot of reasons to bet against it. And I'm. You've been you've been right that everyone has been ultra negative, and I think that's what's fostering this upside potential. And when you get these light liquidity days or these big blast off days, once you have to really get off your 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 fence when you decide I can't buy it, I can't buy it, I can't buy it. You make a new high in the S and P, you're forced to cover your shorts. So we there's put only up, so long. We and, put up. The, excuse me. Finish your thought. I'm sorry. There's only so long that you could sit it out and say, I'm not going to cover my retail shorts. I'm not going to cover my Macy's. I'm not going to cover everything that hasn't performed. I'm not going to cover my chemical names. I'm not going to cover my industrials or, or all these trade names that are trade responsive. So you have to sort of get in the market and say, you know what? Let me hold my nose. I'll cover 50 percent. See where we land after the Fed and after that news and all the dust settles. Before we move on, I want to tie off our conversation about our, our four unlucky yeah. stocks yeah. that we highlighted at the top there. Amgen down uh, 6%, Starbucks 5%, uh, CMG, which is uh, Chipotle 4%, Ulta down 3% for the month so far. Is there something that ties the, this, this core four together, or are there declines particular to each individual company? I mean, I, th I think it's a little bit of both. If you look at companies like Starbucks and Chipotle, like Steve mentioned, they are way up. So maybe a 5 to 6% pullback isn't the mm -hmm. only reason to dive right in. But fundamentals still look pretty good. I think Ulta is maybe a little bit of a different story. They have a large percentage of their revenues in makeup. It's a slowing, it's a slowing part of their business. So I think there's a little bit of a different story there. And it's been, it's been absolutely crushed. I mean, knife through, knife through the 200-day moving average. So maybe do a little bit that of that. Over, that overreacted, though. So I think, I right. think so that, to the, that to the point, we, have, we have two that have performed, that have been the outperformers. We have two that haven't been Correct. the performers. And when you look at Amgen, Amgen has fundamental reasons why the stock hasn't performed. So I would continue to stay away from Amgen. I actually bought Alta today because it stopped right around where that December low was, yeah. and it's bouncing from there. And, and I look think at, it's still good for the buy ratings are. I mean, even though price targets are coming down, they're still all above 300 and then some. So I'm not an expert in the company, but at least do a little work on it because I think it probably is overdone. And let to just let the record show that the four guys on this desk have a lot of revenue invested in makeup. Right I was now. well, I was actually <laughs> going right to say right, right now, baby. For as long as Fast Money does business, Alta's going to have a pretty, <laughs> a pretty, a pretty good demand source because let's just say. I didn't even have a goatee five minutes ago. Goes on this is all airbrush right, right now. We're going we're to go to the chart of the day. Jeff, you brought it along. You are saying that yeah. the direction of rates can still be higher near term. There's going to be a little bit of a debate here. So that it is, is that signaling something for the beta trade where you can get more bang for your buck? Yeah, so the, the conversation we just had is a good segue to this chart, and it's can this beta trade continue? Can this rotation into value continue? So I thought this was an interesting relationship. It's not beta O'Rourke. 
Not Beta mm. O'Rourke, mm. just Beta Beta just beta to beta. the market. Okay. And uh, so you look right, right uh, 10 year Treasury against uh, high beta versus low beta. And what you see is as rates fall, the beta trade doesn't work. As rates have risen, the beta trade has worked. So the question is are rates going higher or not? And as we talked about a little bit, I think as a trade in the near term, positioning was so crowded in the fixed income markets that I think there might be still a little bit to go there. Look at TLT, for example. It's come down a little bit, but it's still, I think, in the 95th percentile in terms of distance above the 200-day moving average there. So I think you could still see positioning shift around a little bit in the fixed income markets. Rates drift higher, and at least in the near term, that helps the beta trade. What's interesting about the beta trade is next week we have a Fed where we actually might get a hawkish ease. And if we get a hawkish ease, and, and what does that mean? A hawkish ease hmm. is, first of all, a Federal Reserve that was saying they were making a mid-cycle adjustment um, and has had dissension in the last couple of weeks from different members. Uh, and then you've had, you know, ex-Dallas President Richard Fisher come on CNBC and say, you know, monetary policy should not certainly be listening to the White House, um, but that, look, I, I think we could get a case where markets' expectations of the Fed being a friend uh, as friendly as we thought it was, may not be so. And that would be, that would be a problem for the cyclical or beta trade. Yeah, and I, th- I think you're right about that. And I think it's all about perception. Does the Fed back off because things are actually looking better, so rates drift higher in an orderly fashion, and then people can still shift into beta? Or is it complete panic because now rates aren't going to be low? And so it, it's still to be determined. So you put a parenthesis around it, and you said near term. Rates might move higher near term. Correct. Beta trade will work. Near term, how long is near term and what should you watch for that would tell you that that trade is done? Yeah, I think near term is obviously ambiguous. I think the next couple of months, say, because I do not think trend economic growth has changed. I don't think the yield curve is going to steep into 20 or 30 basis points. So watch the yield curve as a sign for what's going on as it relates to future growth expectations. Because I think as long as that remains constrained, then rates remain in this trading range. And sure, could we go up to 250? Absolutely. But could we go back to 150 and test that too? Yes. We're going to come back and talk, I know, a lot about this in Options Action. That's a great do, show, do, by do, the way. It is when a is great when is that show. On? <laughs> it's, it's on at 5.30. It's, it's on at 5.30 Eastern show. time. Stay so, there. So what, do you buy what, what Jeff's selling well, here? Well, you know, it's interesting. The S&P 500 on the week is up a little less than 1% on a week that we saw this massive ramp, right, in yields going back to a level where people felt pretty comfortable with. So to me, you know, I, I see that the, the slowdown in the pace of equities, you know what I mean? I don't see that as a particularly bullish thing. And I don't see, I think you need a lot of things to come together. You need the most, whatever you call it, hawkish cut um, we've ever hawkish seen. Ease. Or yeah. ease, you know, yeah. hawkish ease. You need some increasingly, um, you know, I guess, dovish commentary about the trade war. You need to see a little better data here in the U.S. You need to see some earnings we're, we're going to start to get as we get into October. And then you have a ramp into the end of the year. And that could be the beta trade right there. Because if you get all this other stuff that has not been participating starting to go up because you've had all these other effects, you know, moderating, that's the trade to the upside. I'm just not certain all that can happen in concert. Tyler, by the way, you, you, you come here and you visit. It's always a great day. Yeah. You, but I think you're aware that Dan is nothing if he's not consistent. So he finds a way to turn this very bullish weekend reversal into something that, eh. Well, no, but uh, but, 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 I'm just saying, like, like, optically, nothing really changed. You know, maybe some more soybeans are going to get bought, and maybe we're going to, like, just cave on Huawei. The only problem is you're 200 handles higher. I I get your point. We're not 200. I mean, we're trading between 2,800 and 2,900, you know, in that range. Right. From okay. the 50-week so, moving average, which held this market. Right. And, and that's it. So if you waited on the sidelines and you were negative, you had to be positive. Well, we're going to leave it there. That was a 15-minute A block. How, I mean, right the time flies, <laughs> I'm Thank telling you. Tyler. You All me. right. Coming up, regional banks having their best week in almost three years. So just how much more can this bank rally run? Plus, Goldman going sour on Apple. 
We'll tell you what, what is behind that bank's bearish call on its friend, partner, and tech giant. And we are live from Times Square in New York City. Uh, traffic never moves that fast, neither do the pedestrians. Uh, more fast money, though, right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. You're back on Fast Money, and we're going to go fast now. The KRE Regional Bank's <laughs> ETF getting a boost today, closing out its best week in almost three years, up 17% this year, but it is still underperforming the broader market. Why, and will the climb continue? Tim, you mentioned the regional banks. Financials had a good day today. So I think the regional banks are the most interest rate sensitive, and that's been the trade that I still think is some room to unwind. Remember, we went from three and a quarter 10 months ago on the 10-year, down to 140. So um, I do think that there was a lot of pain in regional bank land. I do think that despite the, the lower interest rate and, and what that's meant for mortgage rates, et cetera, um, and while credit, you know, certainly credit spreads are certainly holding up and, in fact, have tightened a bit here, um, I, I think there's more to go in this trade. Um, and, but I, I'm someone that's been long money center banks and someone that through, throughout this time has felt that the valuations are defendable. The balance sheets are, are pristine. Um, and and it, even you know, the capital allocation back to investors, which I know is not why you necessarily buy a bank, but it's why a lot of people used to buy banks and why pension funds own banks. And so I, I like to trade. And, and I do think that the breakout is, is, is got some But if you, if you overlay it uh, over rates, as you were talking about before, it is just one to one there. So it depends on if you don't think rates are going much higher, and I, and I, think, I think that we all probably agree on that, I don't know how much longer this trade can last. And I think KRE is going to be more dependent on rates moving higher, even though it's underperformed. The large money center banks, I would probably think you're, you're closer to the end of this run in both of these, the KRE and the XLF, mm -hmm. versus mm -hmm. to, to the beginning or the mid. Dan, you, you, you say watch J.P. Well, Morgan. Well, listen, J.P. Morgan just went from 105 to 120, and it just closed, I think, at a new all-time. When's the last yes. time we said that uh, a major mm -hmm. U.S. money center bank or any bank on the globe has traded at a new all-time high in the last couple years here? So that's one you want to keep. Look at that thing right there. It got rejected on numerous occasions over the last 18 months at that level. To me, I think if we can establish a new range, you know, give in the fact that we're going to have rates where they are, they're not going too much um, higher here, then that could be bullish. I know Guy had a power pitch a couple weeks ago on City when it was trading at 60. It went to 70. It's high from 2018. Was 80. Maybe JP can grab, uh, uh, you know, drag some of those and guys I, up. I think, I think the JP Morgan chart looks a little bit better than the regionals chart, for example. So the regionals still kind of making lower highs where JP Morgan looks poised to break out. So there may be this little bit of a dichotomy between the larger money center banks and some of the regionals. So something to keep an eye on. I think KRE is at a really interesting point right now. Can it break out through that downtrend? We'll see. Yeah. I just want to be clear, back to being consistent. Oh. I don't really like him here, so I don't think you, I don't think you buy him because I actually think rents are going back lower. That, but okay, fine. Just, just, just All right, right. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. I'm Tyler Mathis, and you're watching Fast Money on CNBC. And here's what else is coming up on Fast. Goldman and Apple getting into a tug of war over the TV remote. Who's seeing the bigger picture? We'll debate when Fast Money returns. We could try to explain what it feels like to get your work done on a John Deere. 
the way a Z-Track mower finishes in half the time you thought it would, or how much easier it is to move mountains of soil with a 1-Series tractor. We could even go into detail about how it feels to tow up to 4,000 pounds behind a Gator XUV. But if you really want to know what it's like to run with us, you just have to get in the seat. Learn more at johndeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. All right, welcome back. Let's talk about Apple getting bitten today. Goldman Sachs oh. cut its price target to 165 from 185. The firm saying Apple's plan to dole out a free trial for Apple TV Plus subscribers will have a uh, pl- uh, for Apple TV Plus uh, to subscribers will have a negative impact on selling prices. Apple responding today saying they do not expect any impact on results. Gentlemen, what do we think here? Who would like to take a whack at a bite of the apple? I'll take a small bite, um, but but I think it's a big enough apple for everybody, Dan. <laughs> so we have a case here where I think Goldman also tried to talk about the accounting of services versus hardware and really say, hey, you know what? This isn't going to be as services friendly as you want. And they tried to I think they, it was a very interesting exercise. Um, that alone is not stopping the move to services. That alone is not stopping the re-rating in Apple stock, whether, you know, Apple Plus uh, as a as a preloaded service for uh, people for a year is actually a way to get them hooked on the service remains to be seen. But there's no question that they are going to be able to get better use of the billion and a half installed base than they ever have. Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, this is it is an accounting thing that they're talking about here. But there's something else on the hardware front to be worried about. Apple units, iPhone units are not growing anymore. Right. So services growth is somewhat dependent on that installed base growing. So if you start seeing ASPs come down, that likely means that you're going to see gross margins come down. And that's the hardware business that's still 60-some percent of their overall sales. It's important. So if you're just going to be lumping in these sales on the, or the services on this installed base, you might not get the multiple that you're hoping on the services business because if it's just being bundled in there. Because who knows uh, what the attach I mean, rates are going to be after the one-year trial. A billion and a half people that aren't going anywhere. By the way, how about hardware as a recurring service? I mean, that, that's what well, seems I, to I love the upgrade program, and I think Apple Prime is coming to a theater near you in 2020, and that's probably a bigger part of the story, how you bundle it all together. I think the accounting gets a little cloudy for me. So when you when you look at uh, Goldman's uh, accounting accounting of it, I think that they're trying to be provocative maybe in, uh, you know, in its essence of the call. But when you look at the technicals on Apple, people have yeah. bet against it so readily, and now it's breaking out on a technical level. If we can overtake 
that 233 mark, the stock is off to We the love news, and we just got some, and it is that Rob, Robert Iger, Bob Iger of Disney, has resigned now from the Apple board. Uh, obviously, these two companies uh, have had a lot in yeah. common over the years um, with Pixar and, and uh, Steve Jobs and so forth, but now they are competitors. Yeah, look, I mean, they, they clearly are both going right at the over-the-top in the streaming business. It's hard to know what something like this means. I mean, Bob Iger's a busy guy. I, I, I don't, yeah, you know, and, and, I, and I would say that it, it, on some level, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense that he's, look, Apple's a media company, too. And we right. talked hardware, we talked services, media. So I'm going to read it that way. Yeah, I mean, may, maybe a little bit of conflict of interest there. Yeah. Ultimately, I don't think it has a huge impact on the stock. If you look at Apple stock, it's held the 50-day moving average. 18 times. It's not overly expensive. So it was a long-term story. It's a validation think, of Apple's yeah. business model, isn't it? Exactly. That worried. So I think you still hold it here. I think you might have to be a little bit patient with the stock in the near term. Obviously, its third biggest market is China. iPhone sales were down 14% there in the second quarter. So, you know, maybe some near-term chopping, but you hold it for the long term. Any thought on Apple, Dan, here? Would you, you like it? Um, I, I think you'll probably see new highs, but China is the issue. And I got to tell you, I think the stuff with Huawei and, and Apple are very related. So... All right. We have to leave it there. We're not going to have final trades because we ate up so much time earlier. It was worth it. And we want to leave time to say goodbye to our very faithful page, Jonah Foxhill, who is moving on uh, from CNBC. Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. Moving on within NBC uh, to, where are you going, to the entertainment Specials Entertainment. So that will be where by, we'll, by we'll Universal be find Stock. You'll be there for the Macy's parade. It'll go right here. We got to go. That does it for Fast Money. <laughs> Options Action is next. We'll see you later. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.